0: Greetings, podcast listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of All Things Thor. We're up to part three of Tom's journey into Imagineering, and he's going to continue with his story of how he became a Walt Disney Imagineer, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. So let's shift our microphone to the other side of the universe and let Tom continue with part three of Becoming... An Imagineer. So next episode, what it was like to be a Disney Imagineer. Um, So the next memory I have after the last um, sort of sharing that I just did was probably about three months into my hiring experience. And I was deep, as I already said, into designing um, an e-ticket attraction that, that I thought was going to uh, blow minds. You know, um, I was dedicated to this project. And uh, what one of the cool things at that time, I don't know if they still do it, but... Like, if there was research that needed to be done, if you were doing a project on a certain subject matter, uh, Disney had no problem sending you to uh, Europe or um, anywhere um, overseas um, where uh, you you could learn more about the audience that you were designing for and uh, give you a sense of feeling for what you were about to do Uh, so I think I already explained that they sent me to all the caves yeah I did explain that Uh, available Carlsbad Caverns that was a special tour that most people don't get to have where we went deep 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 down Um, certainly wasn't the center of the earth but it was uh, deep enough (laughs) Um, so now, um, engineers were starting to come on board the team to design the ride track. You know, rides have to be a certain length of time to put a, a certain amount of, uh, people through the rides per hour. Uh, and, uh, It, it's 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 uh, called it the, uh, THC, theoretical hourly capacity. Okay, so y- y- any company that's doing attractions like Disney or Universal or anybody else that knows what they're doing is trying to figure out, you know, how many people they can push through a ride uh, that makes it um, sensible. Um, and balances out all the other experiences that they'll have in a day. And uh, so the track not only had to fit into a giant volcano, but also, you know, had to have the length of the appropriate THC and the climax of the ride was at the end, you... I mean, it was slow through the first part of it. So you got to see all the scenic things of being down below the center of the earth. But then at the end, you got blown out of the top of the volcano. And uh, all that had to be factored in, you know, as far as the timing and everything. So at this point... Um, I I had done a ton of, um, artwork that designated the, the, um, you know, scenic experiences that you're going to have when you had time to look at them. But at the very end, when you get, when you see the lava monster at Journey to the Center of the Earth and then get blown out of the top of the volcano, um... And I'm not sure why they even asked me this question other than that I was uh, again a director, and I was uh, you know kind of um, trying to steer steerhead the, the creative direction of this uh, in, in entire uh, experience, but you know the engineers and the and the show producer came to me and they go, okay, so how long?" do you think people should experience zero gravity like they're flying in the air and just got shot out of a volcano? And so I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can't, I mean, I I should come up with an answer like I know what I'm talking about, but I've never been in zero gravity. I don't know. I have no freaking idea but you know they're all looking at me in this meeting and i said you know what um i'm not sure and i think i threw out a a number just to kind of pretend like i knew what i was talking about i said oh you know like uh 15 or 20 seconds you know and they said okay And that went down into the documents of the meeting as far as the project development. And so I was like, okay, uh, everybody bought that. Um, It doesn't sound unreasonable. You know? So uh, then I, I hear back from... I don't remember who it was. It was either the show producer or it was someone else higher above them that said, oh, guess what? We just arranged for you and the engineer uh, working on the ride track system and uh, a couple of others to go on an airplane trip that was specially arranged for you guys where they're going to do what's called a parabolic arc it's the same thing that nasa does for astronauts they call it the vomit comet and it's usually a big a much larger plane and it does what's called a parabola which is a uh an arc where you accelerate up and over an arch if you imagine an art arch um, in the sky where at some point at the at the uh, peak or climax of the arch before it starts to descend uh, gravity ceases to exist and things float and you experience the closest thing to what you would experience in outer space or um, what you would experience if you were suspended in air like shot out of a volcano Um, so I'm like okay and I have to admit, I was very nervous about this. I was like, I said, okay, you know, like 15, 20 seconds. They said, okay. We have... And and we went into this, this place. Um, I'm trying to remember where it was. It was like down... It was a small airport by the beach, like uh, Marina Del Rey or something. I, I, I don't exactly remember... But um, we went there, and there was this dude who was a a flight instructor. And he said, hey, you know, he was all excited that, you know, these Imagineers were coming here for this experience. And he gave us a short lecture in in this room, you know, with a chalkboard. And he explained what a parabola was and how we were going to experience zero gravity. And uh, he had a chalk. He had chalk that he was drawing on the blackboard, and an eraser, and the whole bit. And we were like, "Okay, we're good." And uh, I was really nervous because, you know, one of the worst things in the world for me is to feel uh, motion sickness. I, I don't really feel it that much, but I have this like unexplainable phobia about it. So I was like, "Oh God." I'm going to go up in this thing that's known for making people puke, basically, just to justify what I just said so that everyone was like, yeah, 20 seconds is about right. Anyway, so um, we get into this little Cessna airplane. And as I recall a couple of the seats in the back were removed. So it seated about, it was supposed to seat like six, but there was only four of us. There was a pilot. There was one of the guys was in the co-pilot seat. And then me and another guy were in the back, you know, with this little space between us. This guy, you know, takes off, uh, the little private airport and, um, Ascends, and initially it was pretty damn cool. I mean, you're you get to a a thousand feet, you know. I think I remember he got us up to about two and a half to three thousand feet, as I recall. So it's not like a commercial airline where they're up at thirty thousand feet, but we were up there high enough that you know things were way down there and it was safe for him to do his maneuvers so he goes okay and he hands me the chalkboard eraser that we had had in his little classroom this guy again was a flight instructor and he goes i want you to hold this in the middle of the plane just so i can see it out of the corner of my eye so i'm in the back seat so i'm reaching my hand out with this chalkboard eraser to be level with the, you know, periphery of his vision. And he says, I'm gonna I'm gonna fly what I think is a parabola. I'm going to fly an us an arc where I'm gonna accelerate and go over the top of this arc. And then we're gonna drop down rapidly. So he says, but at the parabola, you're gonna experience zero gravity and he says I don't have anything on here uh, instrument panel-wise that tells me when I'm at zero G's so if you don't mind hold this eraser in your hand so I can see it and when I see it start to float I'll know we're at zero G's and I'll, I'll do my best you know to hold that parabola as long as I can I'm like oh god so uh, he proceeds to gun this uh Cessna up in the sky and uh, um some of us were brave enough even though we were unofficially told if we didn't want to sit, wear a seatbelt, we could and i thought okay i need to experience this full blast so i unlatched my seatbelt, and uh we're we're in the first parab- parabola that this pilot was flying and, uh, guns, of the motor, were are going, you know, all you could see was the blue of the sky going up. And then all of a sudden the plane starts to pitch and level out a little bit, which was the top of the arc. Imagine a half circle. And, uh, My eraser out of my hand flies out of my hand and doesn't float for very long. It floated for a second or two, but then it stuck to the ceiling of the airplane. (laughs) (laughs) And the first sensation I had at zero gravity was that it felt like all the blood in my body was racing to my head. And the only other sensations I had ever had in my life that eat, you know that were equivalent to this were, if you've ever fallen or uh, anything like that, and for a split second you feel that feeling where uh, you know you're like, oh crap, you know I'm I'm going to eat it. I'm 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 in the mid air here. I'm my feet aren't on the ground. I'm not planted with gravity. And, um, but imagine that split second um, extended and all these other sensations of the blood rushing to my head and everything. And of course the eraser from the blackboard being stuck to the ceiling. So um, he was real calm about it and he just kind of started to level out and he goes, okay, we're gonna, I think that was a little bit sharp as far as the angle of the parabola, I'm gonna I'm gonna even this out a little bit, do a less um, a severe arc, and see how long I can hold it. And um, so he proceeds to level out the plane. Then all of a sudden, dive the plane down. We're at 2,500 to 3,000 feet above. You know, what you could see down was <laughs> the beach and uh, Marina del Rey and all that kind of stuff. And like, oh, shit. And he dives the plane down then all of a sudden pulls it up and proceeds to do a gentle parabolic arc. Quote, unquote. And this time my hand that had the eraser in it the eraser just gently came off of my hand and started to fly in a rotation off of my hand in midair and he was look, and the pilot was looking real quickly he'd turn his head real quickly and look at the eraser and uh judge his um uh, navigation based on uh you know what was going on physically with this eraser? And, uh, but uh, you know, but I, I was trying to be, <laughs> I was trying to experience this whole thing. So I didn't have my seatbelt on. So all, all of a sudden I feel my ass lifting off the seat and me too. I'm starting to float like this eraser, you know, blood rushing to my head. Although I had adjusted to that a little bit, but, It was the most weird feeling, of course, I had ever experienced in my life. And he finished, you could only go so long on the parabola, on the arc, um, with a plane, especially that size, before you have to descend. And as he descended, you know, the eraser came back down into my hand and my butt went back down on the seat and uh he put me through this like three or four times trying to perfect the maximum length of time of a parabola because what this was going to be equated to is that we were creating a ride you know imagine a roller coaster like ride although this wasn't a roller coaster but at the end when you got shot out of the volcano they were trying to figure out what angle to um make the track so that people could feel um zero gravity you know like they were shot out of the top of the volcano and that there was no friction or any other um you know it just felt like they're floating so um anyway um I'm sorry, I was making a meatloaf. So please cut that part out, uh, Kurt, and uh, start it here. So anyway, um, I, uh, we got to a point where I was like, wow, that felt like a long time. And it wasn't that comfortable until the third or fourth time and then I got a little bit used to it. But for the general public, to experience what I had experienced was very uh, dramatic, um, is a kind word for it. I mean, when you experience zero gravity for the first time, is ex- it's exhilarating, but also simultaneously quite daunting and frightening. So <laughs> I quickly changed my mind and said... Um, oh I think the longest he was able to hold it was 12 seconds as I remember the parabola zero gravity so you know of course I said afterwards wow what was I talking about 20 seconds or whatever I said so um, we went back to the you know the engineers and I and we had a meeting and um, we decided that of course 20 seconds was way too long um not only that but also zero gravity was not comfortable for um you know for people who hadn't experienced it before so we decided that we needed to get in the neighborhood of like 0.1 or 0.2 g's so that in other words so that you you weren't literally floating at the at the top of this parabola, but you felt like you know you weighed 10, five pounds you know, so and that it should only last for a matter of seconds, not twenty frickin' seconds you know, and uh, so that's the decision we made based on that experience and what you you would experience now if you ride the ride journey to the center of the earth um, in Tokyo Disney Seas it uh, what preceded it was evaluation as to what the majority of people would be um, acceptable um, to uh, and comfortable with without scaring the living crap out of everybody um, or, or or worse you know that would have been a really difficult thing if you did that because they'd be cleaning the ride vehicles out daily with a hose. So, anyway, um, that trip to Japan was really my first of a couple once I started the Disney company. Now, remember, I worked... I was a director of... Um, um, uh, the traction development um, at the Mitsubishi Corporation, and then before that at Sequoia Creative. So, and in both those jobs, I went to Japan a number of times. So, Jap- being in Japan was not new to me, but um, being in Japan for Disney and um, seeing the site where this amazing theme park was going to go was indeed um, an exciting experience. So uh, in the next episode, I'll tell you some of the shenanigans that went on (laughs) on that trip. And this time I'm going to name a few names, just first names, because I developed some good friendships with fellow Imagineers. Only... Three others that went on this trip um, after this one I just explained, when we all went to Japan and uh, looked at the landfill where this whole theme park was gonna go and and just explored Japanese culture. And it was extremely fun. and for some of them it was very mysterious. We were all kind of very open-minded, crazy, artistic soulmates. So the whole experience was, um, <laughs> it was pretty insane. But I created some bonds with my teammates here. It was one of the main trips in the beginning of my uh, experiences with Imagineering that finally solidified... You know, the fact that I was, what, I don't know, a a good guy, a good person. And they even had shared uh, stories where when I first came on board, you know, all of them were like, who the hell is this guy? Why are they hiring somebody when they're laying off some of our friends and all this stuff? But luckily... You know, I was blessed with the fact that they saw the spirit inside of me and uh, accepted me as a, a, you know, a teammate and part of this amazing project that was about to happen.